Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, grant me the honesty to examine my life according to the Ten Commandments. Show me my sin, to know and feel it in my heart and disdain it. Most of all, grant forgiveness by your gracious hand. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, forgiveness is a powerful thing. This is especially true in our personal lives, our relationships. The importance of forgiveness is something that we teach our children at a very young age. When a child does something wrong, when they hurt someone's feelings, when they take something that isn't theirs, we train our children to admit their wrongdoing. We expect them to say, I'm sorry. But the important part of this lesson for the children is to tell them that they are forgiven. Indeed, in a Christian household especially, we see that our homes are homes of confession and forgiveness. So, a husband vacuums the household incorrectly, he smiles, says he's sorry, and cheerfully starts his job all over again. When he is finished, he asks his wife, please forgive me, I have messed up. I forgive you, the wife says. Yes, forgiveness is a powerful thing. We have all had experiences with forgiveness. We have all had times where we needed to be the one who forgives and the one who is forgiven. David experienced forgiveness just like us. David knew about forgiveness all too well. But the forgiveness that David experiences that he experienced is not the same as the forgiveness we have just discussed. No, the forgiveness we discussed was about our personal relationships, but the forgiveness that David experienced is from God himself. Indeed, forgiveness is a powerful thing. Now, you heard in my sermon last week that in the season of Lent, our sin is ever before us. To be sure, Lent is a time for reflection and repentance. In this time, we reflect on our sins, and we reflect on our unworthiness before God. And having knowledge of our sin, we know the need to confess our sins before God our Father. Just like we confess our wrongdoings against others. Because of our sinful nature, this is hard for us to do, though isn't it? Think again to the example of the children in the introduction. When something is broken, as children, the temptation is to hide the evidence from our parents. This is our natural inclination. For we are children of Adam and Eve, and our first parents in the garden, struck for the first time by that dreadful fear, tried to hide their sin from God. And once they were confronted by God, they tried to hide their guilt by blaming someone else. When we make mess of things, when we want to sweep it under the rug, if I hide this, no one will ever know. They will never find out, we say to ourselves. Now, I can 
Never forget the time that I accidentally dropped a piece of my grandmother's homemade ceramic Christmas tree. That was a sickening crash coming from behind me. I sincerely debated on exiting the basement out of the cellar door rather than through the main steps that went through the house just to avoid grandma. But so too, when we do something wrong, we would much rather be quiet about it and not mention anything to anyone. This only works so long, though. After a while, the silence starts to kill us. For as David says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. David tried to keep silent about his wrongdoings. One who keeps silent, one who does not confess, his bones quickly grow old. That is, his powers in which he formerly stood in good things are always reduced more and more by sins. Today, then, we are reminded through David of the importance of confession. With his sins ever before him, David began to realize his sin and his need to confess those sins. So, too, in this season that we are in, we are more aware of our need to confess our sins. But that leads us to the question, how should Christians be taught to confess? Well, Luther walks us through this in the small catechism, where Luther says, before God we should plead guilty of all sins, even those we are not aware of, as we do in the Lord's Prayer. But before the pastor, we should confess only those sins which we know and feel in our heart. How comforting it is, though, that it doesn't end there. We don't confess and then that's it, it's over. No, we aren't given things to do in response to those sins. We, but confession has two parts, rather. That is, first, we confess our sins. We know that. And second, that we receive absolution. That is forgiveness from the pastor as from God himself not doubting, but firmly believing that by it our sins are forgiven before God in heaven. Yes, forgiveness is a powerful thing. Now, when, you have, when you have tried to hide your sin, when you have tried to sweep the mess you've made under the rug, you have a refuge. You have the forgiveness promised to you. Take David as an example. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Like David, we ask for mercy on account of God's promises. And we do receive mercy. Yes, in mercy, our sins are covered. Our sins are not counted. Our sins have not been seen. In mercy, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to blot out our forgiveness. For if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, does forgive our sins 
and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We are cleansed from all sin. We are forgiven. Indeed, forgiveness is the whole point of this 32nd Psalm. In short, our righteousness is called, in Psalm language, the forgiveness of our sins. We are declared righteous only because God in His grace, only because God in His grace neither sees nor counts our sins, but He forgives, He forgives, and He covers them. Our sins are covered. Your sins are covered. They are covered by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, shed and poured out for us upon the cross. By the work of Christ on the cross, Christ has indeed reconciled us to himself. And this is all from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, as we heard in our epistle lesson. In our spirit, there is no deceit. We do not lie to ourselves concerning our sin. No, we acknowledge that we are sinners and that we remain sinners. For we daily sin much. As we pray in the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And as Luther would ask, what does this mean? We pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look at our sins or deny our prayer because of them. We are neither worthy of the things of which we pray, nor do we des have we deserved them. But we ask that he would give them to us by grace. For we daily sin much, and surely deserve nothing but punishment. But, blessed we are, we do not receive punishment. No, we receive grace and mercy. We receive forgiveness as God's children in Christ, our transgressions are forgiven. Our sins are covered. Blessed are we, as God's children, the Lord counts no iniquity. So, we go in peace, as forgiven, as redeemed. Our sins are covered. And just as we have been forgiven, so we too sincerely forgive and gladly do to those who sin against us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in true faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.